And we're live, Mungrel Podcast 28. Mrs. Mungrel, I've done away with the chair that keeps making noise that upsets you greatly every week. Yeah, it squeaks. And I'm sitting on a, a wooden stool <laughs> while you get some sort of office chair that uh, looks... I'm still in the comfy chair, Yeah, but um, it doesn't squeak when I sit in it. I think this is your way of getting me to hurry up and stop babbling on and basically get to the point and finish the podcast so that you can move on with your life well i mean yeah but also people have asked for it to be longer what I'm like the podcast oh I'm i like, thought you no. meant the chair i was gonna say no oh, that'd be interesting <laughs> i wouldn't be able to reach the microphone but it's been a big week in football yep do you know it's probably been the best week of finals i've seen in many many years four games four absolute crackers but before we get into our in-depth analysis, because that's what we're known for on this podcast, right? Yep, absolutely. In-depth analysis. Greatest football minds ever. Who? Us? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about a different podcast for a second. <laughs> uh, we need to touch on your uh, food making for the week. Now, mm. I, I need, to, need to tell everybody, Mrs. Mungrel purchased a box of meat. Box during of the stuff. Week. Yeah. 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 some veggies too. There were some sausages. Yeah. Fennel and pork. Yeah. Not that good. No. I wasn't <laughs> who who ate them all? You did, like a champion. The big fella. <laughs> Put them away because you didn't like them that much. But now we have some uh, other stuff to, to sample from this place, which uh, if they're nice to us, we might give them a plug at some point, but I forgot their name. So. Well, it's probably good since we just dissed the sausages. Well, they, they can do better in that department. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. But, you know, I figured you wouldn't complain if I just ordered a giant box of meat to be delivered well if you can do that every week that'd be great and just disregard the vegetable box that'd be fantastic <laughs> not a chance and all, all is well with you your work is swimmingly going along and what our daughter whatever her name is she's good no, i haven't seen her for a couple geez. of days oh my god how does life get this busy i'm actually having to do a lot of actual work now you were very upset this morning when you realized that the beginning of daylight saving doesn't get you an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> I was I was kind of thinking, okay, so I had about five hours sleep, but really I would have had six hours sleep, so it's okay, I can cope today. No, 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 you had four. I can't cope, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sitting up last night writing the, the West Coast Collingwood Review and just lost track of time, and all of a sudden I looked at the clock and it was like ten past three, and I thought, oh my God, I've been writing forever. Went to bed, and then you told me this morning was daylight savings. Then you tried to convince me I should be happy because I got an extra <laughs> hour of sleep. Not the way it works. Anyway, this week, uh, just want to give a big shout out to our members who have all jumped on over the past month and year. Uh, been a really great year for us at the Mungrel Punt, and we're looking at getting bigger and better. Got a couple of articles coming your way this week, which will be for members only, which is R, is R. Which are around the Defensive Player of the Year, which we've been tabulating all season long. So we'll be announcing that winner. Although most people who have followed that column will probably know who it is already. And also got an article going up in the next couple of days on the Brisbane Lions turning point. So they knocked over Richmond after 15 straight losses, which we'll touch on pretty soon. We also finally got around to putting PayPal on our site. Yes, welcome. So welcome you, to last decade, Mungrel Punt. If you aren't a member, you can jump on and you don't have to spend 20 minutes finding your credit card, which but, is always nice. If you want to do that, you can. I mean, it's entertaining yeah. for everybody else. We've got a few few extra things up our sleeves for the members coming up. We're working toward getting a members area. 
and actually... It's like a lounge. You can yeah, all just hang like out. an online lounge. Some inappropriate touching, maybe. Oh, for God's sake. No, that, that's the staff <laughs> lounge. Sorry. <laughs> the writer's chat. I'll be seeing you later, Mrs. Mungrel. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we might jump into the first game. So we had Port Adelaide prove their premiership credentials by knocking over Geelong. We've written in the past and spoken about it on this podcast how none of the experts, in inverted commas, have given Port much of a chance this year. There was always, you know, Richmond, Geelong, Brisbane, West Coast, and then below them you had, oh, and Port Adelaide are doing quite well. Doing quite well. They've been on top of the ladder for the whole bloody year. I don't know what else they could have done to give experts an indication that they were the best side going into the finals. Yeah, they lost to Geelong earlier in the year, and it was a pretty heavy loss, but they turned it around in a magnificent way this weekend, or Thursday night, I suppose it was. And uh, I've got a few words I'd like to run by you here. Was it a catpitulation? Oh, for God's sake. Come on, have you got any? Did you do any research on this? No. Not even catastrophe? Oh, far out. I'm so sorry, everyone. He hasn't slept, and it's just going to be a really, really... Touch and go so, podcast. So, oh, it's gonna, we're going to plumb the depths in this one. So I'm wondering whether people actually start taking Port seriously now. They've guaranteed themselves a top four finish at the end of the year. They're in the preliminary final. If, it's a big if at the moment, I want to stress that, if Richmond get over St Kilda next week. Oh, yeah, you're perking up, I can see. Oh, I'm just saying thank you for saying it's a big if. Yeah. If yeah. they get over St Kilda, we get a Port Adelaide-Richmond prelim or we get a Port Adelaide St Kilda prelim I would love a Port Adelaide St Kilda prelim just to see you get relatively excited by it I would watch that well I'm gonna put it out that'd make a change from this week when you (laughs) didn't watch anything (laughs) did did I I was just really excited that there were less games um no I will put it out there that I will watch that and I will comment to you to me yeah oh wow yay and you can you can include some of my commentary you could even put it up. Do you know uh, Mrs. Mungrel has her own little Facebook page oh, these days? I don't say that. I, I mean, she doesn't. It's just so I can, like... Comment. Sometimes, occasionally, give a thumbs up or a comment. However, Very if, rarely. If you do like her work, which is of the highest standard, mm. you could give it a like and make her feel important because... You said yeah, I don't already feel important. Because she is really important, is what I was going to say. I have a hugely overinflated ego. I do not need help to feel important. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> So the Cats small forwards in this game, absolutely non-existent. They ended up moving Gary Ablett up the ground and probably did that a little bit too late. He was responsible for the, the fantastic Patrick Dangerfield goal. Remember I showed you that one where he took the three bounces and just ran away like a sprinter oh, yeah. into goal. It was Gary Ablett moving down the halfback line, extracting the ball, getting the ball out the back and allowing Dangerfield to run onto it. But up forward, guys like Brian Myers... He of the terrible name and even worse hairstyle. What do you call him? He looks like Grug. Grug. Grug Myers. <laughs> Good name, Myers, but uh, he doesn't even spell that right. Uh, he he was he probably had his worst game of the season, so they really, really struggled for a second option. You had uh, Matt O'Man's favourite buddy. Oh, Zach, Butters. Zach Butters. Even I know that. Throwing his body in. At one point, he threw his body in and took two players out of the contest, and it opened up an open goal for... Someone, but <laughs> <laughs> what well, I know it wasn't she- what class wasn't, journalism here. It wasn't Stephen Motlop, but he did provide a really good tap on to to set the goal up. 
Port really stood up in this game. They did it without Charlie Dixon doing anything at all. Now, Charlie Dixon, I think he may have just been in a bit of a stupor after being named in your four top best-looking AFL players last week. Yep. So maybe that's career over for him. He's just hit He's the top of the mountain. Yep. Top of the mountain. He's like, where do I go from here? Screw it. My cue's in the rack. Yep. He's like some... Some lady thinks I'm all right, so that's it. (laughs) Well, you know what? He's done a mountain of work on his physical condition. We saw those photos of him in the preseason, and he was built like a brick shithouse. There's a bloke we'll talk about a bit later on who plays for the Western Bulldogs who needs to look at what Charlie Dixon did and come back at least on track to be in that sort of condition because he isn't in that condition now, and his... Oh, I'm going to use the word ineptitude. Really cost the Western Bulldogs on the weekend. So during the game, Chris Scott, the the, the brother of the other guy who looks like Chris Scott, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> remarkably like him, I'm shocked, came out onto the field during one of the breaks and gave Razor Ray Chamberlain a blast. Does he get in massive trouble for that? No, because I reckon he was right. So Ray Chamberlain at the moment, I, I think he really tried to exert a lot of influence early in this game. Of the first 10 free kicks, Ray Chamberlain paid eight of them. The other other two umpires seemed to be letting the game flow, letting the game flow. It was almost like Ray felt compelled to pay a free kick whenever there was a line ball decision in his area. So the umpires have specific areas. They do sometimes, they cross over. Either it was an amazing coincidence that all the free kicks happened when Ray Chamberlain was around. Or I kind of feel that Ray Chamberlain was looking for the free kicks to pay. Was he... He wasn't favouring one team over the other. I don't believe so. I oh. don't think so. But in a final... There's an old saying... They say, put the whistle away. Put the whistle away and let the guys play. And Ray seemed to be more of the opinion that he needed to control the tempo and I suppose that the temperament of the game. So he was calling a lot of free kicks very early. And you could sense the frustration, even through the TV screen, of the players and the supporters as well. And I, I couldn't blame the supporters. I was like, put your fucking whistle away, Ray, for God's sake, and let the boys play. But his bouncing at the centre bounce was getting about two feet above my head. And usually they, they bounce in the middle and the ball springs up, you know, 15 feet in the air. He was getting to, to about nine foot. I'm not saying I'm seven foot tall. But... Um, <laughs> He was getting to about nine foot, which, you know, isn't what you're after. And Chris Scott came out onto the ground, it might have been quarter time or half time, and basically said to him, Ray, you should not be doing centre bounces. So if you're a good lip reader, you can see him actually say that to him. And he's spot on. Ray, I think, has the capacity to be a really good umpire on his day, but if he doesn't have the physical capability of bouncing the ball high, which all the rucks are expecting, he shouldn't be doing it. Why is he? Do they Good just question. rotate or? They do rotate through, yes. <laughs> but at that point, he should be saying, look, I'm struggling here, guys. Do you guys want to take it? And if they're, they're working as a team and operating as a team, these umpires, of course they're going to say yes. But anyway, I thought he really struggled with that. And I thought Chris Scott was right in calling him out. Probably wasn't the right forum and the right look at that time with your team kind of not playing well to go out and blame the umpire for not bouncing the ball well. Doesn't really sit well, but... Yeah. I think, in essence, he was right. He's frustrated. Uh, in our review of this game, I touched on a bloke. I didn't touch the bloke. 
Are you sure? Well, you're a pretty seedy kind of guy. It happened in Adelaide. Look, I, I wasn't there. Was someone else? Was like that when I got here. Um, spoke about a guy called Brad Ebert and the sacrifice he's made for this Port Adelaide team. He was a really, really good midfielder going back three years ago. Good tackler, really good overhead, could win his own footy. He moved forward, I think it was about 2018, and has adopted this new role as a pressure forward, mid-size forward. Never any complaints. He's never looked disgruntled out there or anything. Just puts his head in, does, does the right thing by his team. Travis Boak did it as well in 2018, but has since moved back into the midfield and got himself supremely fit. Brad Ebert's sacrifice and the way Travis Boak, as captain at the time, adopted this role as well, should be a shining example to people who get a little bit disgruntled about playing a certain role in a team. We heard about Jared Polek being upset about it being asked to tag Patrick Cripps when North Melbourne played Carlton. Granted, Polek probably isn't the guy to stop Cripps, but when the coach asks you to do a job, it's the really good players that put their hand up and go, you know what, I'm taking this on board and I'm going to make the best of it. And that's what Brad Ebert's done for Port Adelaide, and I reckon it's evident in their culture at the moment. They're um, they're playing for each other as opposed to individual. You, all of a sudden, you're looking like you're very interested in Port Adelaide. Oh, that was just so nice and inspiring. They talk about that kind of thing, like you know, at work a lot, culture and oh. leadership and all that kind of. Is thing. this part of lean? And I'm like. <laughs> Lean. And the lean philosophy, which we all have to be trained on at my work. And um, sometimes I just think I'm, I'm not feeling very inspired or well-led at the moment. Well, good leaders do that sort of stuff, though, don't they? They, they lead by example. Well, they make... Yeah, well, yeah in, in that regard, I've got... I do have a good boss, but yeah. I have to say, overall... Shout out to Big Al. To, yeah, he goes all right. Good on you, Al. <laughs> Look after my wife. <laughs> So there was a big physical clash in this game, and it was between Patrick Dangerfield and Darcy Byrne-Jones, he of the hyphen. Got to like a good hyphen? No? We don't like him? No. No. Pick a name and stick to it, guys. <laughs> Stop palming like off double you, names. You checked with me and then just committed completely. Yeah, I'm you're not good, a fan. Good I was, husband. I was you know, giving you an out in case you did like them. So looked like Dangerfield w- thought he could just run through Darcy Byrne-Jones, and in truth, you know what he kind of did? He gave him a big fend-off and knocked him down. Darcy Byrne-Jones tried to tackle him. Dangerfield almost ran over him. But I really love the follow-up of Robbie Gray. So some people would have kind of seen that Darcy Byrne-Jones was going to try and lay the tackle and lay it off and maybe look for the spillage. And he didn't. He ran straight at Dangerfield too. And as Dangerfield pushed off and went to run away... Gray's come in from the side and nailed him and got hold on the ball. And that's a sort of backup. That was so great. And you did watch this bit. I called you, you, you yeah, in you to see it. you called me over. And I was like, what are, you, what are you trying to show me? And it was actually fantastic. Yeah, it was really it was like, good. Whack. Good to see Robbie Gray, one of the older blokes in the Port Adelaide team. How old putting, is he? Oh, yeah. We're going back to this. Oh. <laughs> this is one of the failings of our, of our initial podcasts. When every time I mention someone's name, you'd ask me how old they are, point blank. I'd go, yeah, look, uh... I, I think Robbie Gray's about 32, I think. I don't think. think I can change. I mean, anyway, keep going. So that was a fantastic highlight. One of the things that teams haven't worked out this year, and it's may end up costing them a game eventually. When there's a thrown in the forward line, Tom Hawkins takes the ruck. He's a big, strong bloke, and he goes up against Ruckman, and he just manhandles him out of the way. 
Some people are saying it's a push in the back. I don't think it is. I think he's just using his strength body to body and pushing off them. And he takes the ball cleanly in his hands. He doesn't tap it to another player. He takes the ball cleanly. And either he handballs it off and tries to set up a goal. Or he kicks it himself. And he did it three times in this game. Luckily for Port Adelaide, Hawkins returned figures of zero goals, five for the game. People were blaming Hawkins kicking. But I want to give some credit to the Port Adelaide back line here. As they were forcing Hawkins out wide for all his shots. So all his shots were difficult shots at goal. So people saying, oh, if Hawkins did this, if Hawkins did that, they would have won. Yeah, possibly, but he had to convert very, very difficult shots every time. Except for the one he kicked around the corner, which, you know, was just him rushing and... Uh, was it a banana kick? No, it was a snap around the corner on his left foot. So I'm not even sure he's a left footer. I think he's a right footer. So a little bit of uh, almost bailing himself out there in case he missed. Stephen Motlop, who played for Geelong, uh, kicked three goals, was a star for Port Adelaide. He would have been on the cusp of this selection for this team, and he's proven his worth, stood up against his old team. And I had to go back and think about a couple of people I used to work with. I've since moved on because they have futures and I don't oh. at work. That's well, pretty simple. Yeah, I'm glad you, you followed it up with that work. I was just yeah. like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know about that. <laughs> And when Stephen Motlop was traded to Port Adelaide, they laughed. They were talking about how, oh, he's their problem now. And how he's never performed on the big stage, how he goes missing. And he didn't go missing against that team. And I wish these people were still at work so I could just kind of gauge their reaction to being beaten by this guy, they said, who wasn't really good enough. So you would have... uh... Tried to needle them a bit and oh, no, just, just ask the question yeah, and maybe send an email or two and yeah. you know, just let them know that I was well aware of what they said and how they acted at the time. Yeah, isn't that a bitch when someone calls you out on it? Last wow. last point on this game, Gary Rowan, he of the redhead variety. He's part of my four, isn't he? If not, he'd be fifth. Well, the f- oh, yeah, he might be. So who was in the list. The anyway. last time these two teams played on each other, a bloke named Tom Cleary was more or less sacrificed by putting on by being put on Tom Hawkins. He was spared this time and put on Gary Rowan. Now Gary Rowan had, I think, five touches for the game, completely ineffective, and Tom Cleary basically redeemed himself in this game. So it's great to see a bloke who was I kind of felt that Port threw him to the wolves last time. They put him on Hawkins one-on-one, left him there to defend by himself all the time, and Hawkins ate him alive. And I'm like, yeah, well, you can't do that again. And they didn't. They put him on Gary Rowan, and he beat Rowan hands down. So Gary Rowan, really poor record in recent finals. I think his last three finals have been really bottom-shelf performances. He's got one more chance next week. He really needs. Oh, he needs to turn it around. Otherwise, he's going to be looked at as the guy who goes missing every September slash October. We'll jump to the Lions in Richmond. The hoodoo game. What? Well, this was a Richmond undefeated in Queensland all year. They've won fifteen straight against Brisbane. Yeah, till they're not. Till they're not what? Undefeated. Well, yeah, someone's got to defeat them eventually, Eventually. right? Well, this time was the Lions. And the Lions came out and they basically played at their optimum right from the start. They had guys who jumped out immediately. A guy like Eric Hipwood, who has a terrible record against Richmond, never really does anything. 
and he was attacking the ball like his life depended on it. Guys like Charlie Cameron, who maybe it did. Maybe someone maybe made a threat. Threatened. Maybe they all just got threatened horribly. You reckon his teammates went over and kind of held a gun to his head and said, like, you don't take some fucking marks today, Eric. I'm going to take that, that high cheekbone model-like t- face of yours. I'm taking your dog. Yeah, See? Nothing will dog. get someone to play a lot harder than uh, Well, that's what I do. Pet. That's what I do. What, and take people's dogs? You sell them back to them. <laughs> Very lucrative market. People will pay a lot of money for their dogs. Terrible when you pick one that no, they don't really like anyway. They yeah. go and buy another one. Oh, no. Those people are bad. Anyway. So, they had that happen. Charlie Cameron kicked, I think, three goals. And for whatever reason, Damien Hardwick didn't put the guy on him, Dylan Grimes, who tailed him up in consecutive weeks last season. So, towards the end of last year, round 23, and then the first final, Dylan Grimes absolutely owned Charlie Cameron. And in this game, he kind of played on him in bits and fits and starts, but it was largely left to Jaden Short. And Charlie Cameron got off the chain and kicked goals. He kicked three. I think you know, Brisbane only kicked 10 for the game or whatever. So he was highly effective. Something else I wanted to touch on was the way the Tigers entered 50 over and over again. They were playing like they had Tom Lynch coming out of the goal square. He's obviously injured, not playing. They threw Mubby or Chol down there. And they're kicking long to a contest against the best spoiler in the game in Harris Andrews. Now... I'm sure they thought Jack Rewalt would clunk one or two marks, but in all honesty, he's probably best suited at this point of his career to be the second forward. And it was just a real error in judgment from Richmond by trying the same things over and over again. That's the whole definition of insanity stuff, right? Hey, we're going to kick it long to the goal square. Harris Andrews is going to jump up there and kill the contest. The ball's going to come out. We're going to do it again. So it happens this time. Chol was terrible. Uh, probably overawed by the the occasion, I think. You know, big final, big stakes, playing on the, the, the best defender in the league, basically, in one-on-ones. And he just wasn't a threat. So what that allows Andrews to do is drift across then and help out on Revolt as well. So if the ball's not going to go to Chole, the, the team doesn't have confidence in him to take a mark, he doesn't have to pay a heap of attention to him. He can just mosey over this way and, you know, jump up and kill the contest when Revolt goes for it. So you had that happening, and then you had a bloke named Cam Rayner, who had five touches for the game. Now, everyone's been, when I say everyone, I mean me, right? Has been critical of Rayner in the past about not doing enough. And if you're the sort of bloke who sits there and looks at the stat sheet for this game, you go, oh, Rayner got towed up. He had five touches, you know, oh, terrible. But he had two really, really important touches. He kicked a, a massive goal from 55 metres out, and his other little handball he gave at one point set up Charlie Cameron for a goal. The most important part of his game, no one's really talking about. He played on a guy named Nick Vlastuin, who looks like our neighbour Greg. Right. Right? With the red hair, and he used to have a beard exactly the same as him. <laughs> Almost like twins, except in much better shape. Sorry, Greg, but it's true. <laughs> like everybody else in our... Uh... Our little block here. <laughs> now, Vlastuin, or Flosten, I think they call it, he is the pronunciation, had one mark for the game. He usually takes six, seven, and you know dominates the air. He positions himself really, really well. But what Rainer did was drag him away from the contest. So he was unable to jump up and take intercept marks, took him out of his role, and Rainer did this by staying dangerous. So the little gives he gave, the little 
little involvements he had, he made Floston pay attention to him. And I think it was a really underrated aspect of Brisbane's win. It might be something that gets kind of brushed under the carpet, but uh, he was fantastic. Another guy who was fantastic as well was uh, Brendan Stasevich, who he's playing halfback at the moment, but the way he attacks the footy and his clean hands in, you know, the game started getting a little bit slippery towards the end. He took a fantastic intercept mark late in the game and really set them up from halfback well, made good decisions. And I heard a few people saying that he may become their next Elliot Yo kind of player because Elliot Yo plays for West Coast. He actually started in Brisbane before he got the Sads and wanted to go home. So he eventually went back to WA and Brandon Stasevich could be something pretty special up there if they persevere with him. He's 21 and you know, he's cutting his teeth off half back. I can see an eventual move into the midfield for him and he'll be a fantastic asset. Lockie Neal held possessionless in the first quarter, didn't touch it, and ended up you know close to most possessions on the ground again. Dusty went missing, second half. Very un-Dustin Martin-like kind of game. Had a ripping first half, uh, kept getting the footy, drove him inside 50. Second half, he just couldn't get near it. And they, they played him forward a little bit. I think they really missed his grunt in the middle and uh, could have been a different game if they put him in there earlier. Now, Mrs. Mungrel. Yeah. Saints. Oh. You ready to talk about yeah. the Saints? Yes, great. Okay. We've got uh, we had the Saints and Bulldogs really here. You have a bit of affection for both teams. Yeah, I do. This was a bit hard. It's like when Melbourne played the Saints. It was just, you know. Yeah. But because the Saints won, I'm guessing you're on board with the Saints. The Bulldogs are sponsored by Mission Tacos, but St Kilda now have Deliveroo. Yep. So, you know, there's a little bit of conflict inside me, but that's okay. What about if the Hawks can get sponsored by Menulog? Do do we sway you over? What if they have Menulog on their top and Uber Eats on their shorts? That's pretty good, but... And Nando's across the back of their top. (laughs) Somebody needs to be sponsored by Hague's Chocolates. Oh, look out. That sounds like a Melbourne Demons thing, actually. It does. Yeah, I, I, reckon, like it. I reckon they can do it. If Deliveroo can afford to sponsor a team, surely Hague's can do it. No, Hague's should sponsor us, actually. Forget that, Hague's. Don't sponsor an AFL team. Sponsor us. We don't we even want money. For you. <laughs> we don't even want money. We just want you chocolate. You pay me in some chocolates. Yeah. What are the sort that you like from there? Oh, they some have sort of a coconut drops. one. Oh, the peppermint. The peppermint chocolate um, buttons are beautiful. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Saints. Saints. They almost blew it. Yeah, I know. I got really they stressed. They almost blew it. They were four goals up with about mm, 10 minutes to go, and they stopped to a walk. Now, part of this is the Western Bulldogs actually starting to play football. They played this stupid conservative game, and there was a, a moment, I think it was right before three-quarter time, they had 23 seconds left. I saw them with the ball on the halfback flank. Now... They've got possession of the ball. They're four goals down at this point. I'm thinking, they need to go. They need to try and put a score on the board. And they just didn't. They kind of chipped the ball around halfback, and they seemed content to go in with a four-goal deficit. And I'm like, guys, you're playing not to lose. So once they started playing to win halfway through the fourth quarter, it was almost as though the, the switch was flipped, and they played really good footy. They got a couple of pretty preferential umpiring calls, I have to say. Oh. But... Nothing nothing overly dramatic, but just a couple of line ball decisions went their way. 
And they had a young bloke named Aaron Norton who has the potential to be the best forward in the game, but he keeps getting hurt. So he took, I think, three contested marks in the last quarter, kind of lifted them. And up until that point, the defense of Dougal Howard, our buddy Dougal, and Jake Carlisle was absolutely exceptional. Now, I want to touch on Dougal Howard for a minute, right? (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, doesn't take much, does it? So Dougal Howard had 15 rebound 50s in this game. That means like he was the one to kick the ball outside outside the defensive 50-meter arc, right? His previous best prior to this game was five. Oh, oh, so Jesus. he's tripled his best. He had twelve spoils. He had, I think, he had eight intercepts as well. He was basically owning the contest back there, and it's his first year at the club. That was just a train whistle, by the way. That wasn't me. I swear. <laughs> it's his first year at the club. He's now owning it, and what he's done, and his presence has done, is it's compelled Jake Carlisle to actually look like he gives a shit. So Jake Carlisle sometimes comes across as being. Oh, I suppose the good word to use here is laconic, the way he goes about it. I, I, I'm pretty laconic, right, yeah, in the way I actually. go about it. I like to lay, on, lay down on the couch a lot, <laughs> but I don't get paid several hundred thousand dollars to play football. Otherwise, I might be a little bit more energetic. This game, he looked as though he was up and about. He looked like he was on. He was taking contested marks. He was, uh, Well, not contested marks, intercept marks. And he just looked like this actually meant a bit to him. And I wonder whether it was the presence of Howard or the poor play of a bloke named Josh Bruce that kind of made him look that oh, good. Josh, what's he doing? Josh Bruce, I t- touched on before when we spoke about Charlie Dixon. And I said, there's a bloke of the Western Bulldogs who needs to start looking at the way Dixon oh. came back in shape and use that as his benchmark. He's a little right. bit unfit, is he? Look, I- I'm sure he's a lot fitter than I am. Look. So I'm, <laughs> We're not setting the bar terribly high there. Yeah, again, but I'm not getting paid several hundred exactly. thousands of dollars to play football as well. Plus, I'm about 15 years or 20 years older than him. So, <laughs> shut up, <old> mongrel. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure Western Bulldog fans would, uh, when they're listening to this, would probably nod and think, yeah, look, he needs to go away and do a hell of a lot of work, come back in really good shape, and not be second to the ball time and time again, which cost him... The one thing he did, he kicked the goal early in the game, give him credit where it's due, but the one big impactful play he had was giving away a free kick to a St Kilda player with you know, less than a minute left. Which, was that him? That was him, which allowed allowed the Saints to clear his old team, and someone commented on our, uh, on our game review, I think it was, that it was probably the best thing he's ever done for St Kilda, and I'm oh, like, oh, gosh. whack. Take that, Josh. The St Kilda captain we've spoken on here about on here before. His name is Jaron Geary. Jaron Geary, yeah. I and had to spell check his name. Did you? And then I was like, what is wow, happening? He does really spell his name that way. <laughs> so he's he, he's been in a situation where during the season, with this team on the improve, it's looked as though his spot in the team, if he hadn't been captain, may have been under question. Now... A couple of times this year, they've deployed him as a defensive forward. So there's been someone running off halfback who has been tearing games apart. Initially, it was Sam Doherty in round four. And they put Jaron Geary on him and said, your job is to stop him. And he took that role on and just went, you know what? I'm sinking my teeth into this. And he pulled it off brilliantly. Like, 
played fantastic against Doherty had he moved to the wing. This this week, he played on your man, Caleb Daniel. Okay. Now, Caleb Daniel, I've uh, been banging on about it for two years and no coach has really made him pay for being a short ass, basically. So, Brett Ratton, new St Kilda coach this year, or... Yeah, this year? I don't know. Maybe late last year? I don't know. This year's been a very long year, so I think it yeah. was this year. It was this year? Yeah, well, sad coach. One yeah, of these years. That year. no, was last year he got sacked. Oh, dear. Sad coach. Now, Brett Ratton looks pretty happy with himself. So what he did was said to Geary, Righto, what I want you to do is take Caleb Daniel as deep forward as you can whenever you get the opportunity. So when he did that, the St Kilda players would look for him, knowing he could outmark Daniel pretty easily. So he took a mark, handballed off, Tim Membry kicked a goal to get the game going. And then late in the quarter, again, he took another contested mark on Daniel and had a shot at goal. He really could have been responsible for two goals, but he missed that second one. And it's been something that's been a bit of a bugbear for me that coaches haven't employed this tactic against the Western Bulldogs. Maybe it's a bit of a feather in the cap of Luke Beveridge, the Western Bulldogs coach, that he's been able to use Daniel in that role and not have him exposed. But Brett Ratton was able to work it well and get him in a position where he was vulnerable. Look at you. You're thinking he's going to... And, and he was getting really good penetration. <laughs> Is that what you want me to say? I was just watching you and my smile was growing and growing. I was waiting for you to throw in some <laughs> stupid comment there. Well, I'm just keeping it... I'm trying to keep it clean and quiet over here. As opposed corner. to the silly comment, you just stuck with the silly thoughts, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm looking forward. I'm wondering who Geary gets going forward, whether he goes to Basha Hawley and tries to quell his influence, maybe Jaden Short, maybe he goes to, to Vlosten, Floston, Floston, uh, and tries to settle him down. But I think Floston has him covered in the air. So maybe Basha Hawley would be a really good matchup for him. We had a, we had a bloke named Boris send us a message on Facebook asking whether... Mrs. Mungrel is aware of the AFL trade news and rumours page run by a pretty passionate St Kilda supporter. Have you had a chance to have a look at it? No. No. Righto. One of the highlights recently has been in regard to the All-Australian team and the lack of Mr. Dan Butler in the team. Now, That's just disgraceful. Now, one of the selectors is named Glenn Jakovich, and he's a former West Coast Eagles champion. Uh, one of the only men who ever really got the better of Wayne Carey in an ongoing capacity. And he basically said he had to ask, one of the questions in the in the selection was, well, did Tom Papley have a better year than Patrick Dangerfield in terms of their position? You know, and sorry, in terms of their their, their overall performance for the, for the season. Now, when this bloke on the AFL trade news and rumours page reported it he also added the name Dan Butler into the quote Bless. twice oh. <laughs> and I thought this is fantastic it's actually something that features on the the nuffies on AFL page look I don't like getting heavily involved in um, football things on Facebook because then they just start to crop up people and actually think you like it yeah but this actually sounds like something I'd be very interested in but, yeah, to this bloke's credit, he runs a page. He's got 34,000 people. Is he people. nuts? Is he a bit nuts? Allegedly. I love it. I'm on. I'm on. No, look, he, right. I think he's just really, really passionate. He's got 34,000 people that follow him on Facebook. I reckon half of them are probably there to have a bit of a laugh. 
But good on him, he's having a crack. Yeah, maybe he says the same thing about us. Um, still hard to argue with those sort of numbers. There was once there was one incident that happened during this game. Actually, there was more than one involved the same player, and it was Ben Long. We watched him about a month ago, and you were really impressed. Oh, he's, he's the he's the one that ran. He's the fast uh, one. Well, um, the running fast one. Yeah, that's how he. I think that's on his CV. <laughs> uh, I'm the running fast one. So Ben Long, oh, he is English quick. Is my first language, everybody. <laughs> he reads the ball really well. But he doesn't mind a bit of contact either, right? So he was the one running off the back of the square. I showed you the footage when he came through and he got the Western Bulldogs guy in the chin. So he dropped him. The Western Bulldogs guy got back up and kept playing, which is probably going to work in his favor. The next, in the next couple of minutes, he did it again and ran into his own player this time. And I'm like, wow, he's really non-discriminatory. He doesn't care who he's running into. You showed me both of those as well, yeah. As long as he's crashing into someone, he's pretty happy. So he got Dan Hanabry as well. The issue I had with him is that I actually really like his style of play. I like the fact that when he's around the footy, you have to think twice about what's going on here. Where am I? Where's he? You have to keep an eye out for him. What he did late in the game, though, was he had a free kick paid against him. And then, out of frustration, he just threw his opponent onto the ground. Gave them a 50-meter penalty and a shot at goal. Now, the Western Bulldogs were starting to come at this point. They were coming hard. Go on. I love it. This yeah. is so great. They're getting a bit hard, eh? Luckily, <laughs> luckily, the Lockie Hunter missed the shot at goal because that could have been an enormous penalty to pay for just a real brain fade. I don't mind the physical stuff. I don't mind him throwing his body in. But when he does something silly like that, they're the things that cost a team. And he really could have, yeah, really could have set the the dogs amongst the Saints. Okay, I'll take that. No, no, it's okay. Well, there's lots of pigeons around St. Kilda. Anyway, great win by the Saints. Uh, Radley, we're thinking of you, mate. I'm sure you were uh, getting a bit nervous in the last minute. Radley's a little bit famous in our house now. Yeah, we're going to have a Radley shrine here. He's going to know. Is it going to burn when we do podcasts? We'll just have, like, you know, Radley's Corner. Radley's Corner. Maybe you can send us a little bit of a review of a player each week and we'll uh, we'll give you Radley's take. How about that? I love it. Bradley, you can be the, the on AFL there, news, trades, and rumors guy for our site. Legit, it doesn't matter if or at you're busy. That's right. I don't know what you're going on in life, but nothing's more important now. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Eagles and Magpies, possibly the game of the round. This hurt my hurt my heart. Not a Magpies fan. I think I'm just a bit of an Eagles fan. I thought you were a freaking. Saints fan. I am, but I also really like the Eagles. You know how I feel about Western Australia. You want a holiday to Western Australia and you want someone with a business over there to say, hey, Mongrel Punt, you can come and stay with us. Great idea, by the way. Oh, once, we're let, once we're allowed out of our city. I kind of like to be left alone, but yes. No, right. I mean, if they own a hotel. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. I don't want to stay <laughs> oh, with someone. Right. We'll get someone who owns a hotel going, hey. I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if any of you have a bungalow. <laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. massive upset. Not many people gave Collingwood a chance here. I think Kane Corns came out and said that they were simply making up the numbers in this final series. Oh, wow. They got a massive start. They got a massive start from Massive Cox. That was spectacular. Well, it's better than saying a big start from Big Cox. No, I'll, I'll, it was both good, both good. I'll take both. So he had a bit of a two, 2018 flashback where he uh, took yeah. over the game against Richmond. Is he a bit average all the time except when he gets to important games? 
No, because he's really cocked up in important games as well. Oh, no. But once in a while, he can surprise you. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he came out in this one and all of a sudden looked like the best forward in the league for about 15 minutes. So he had three, <laughs> three marks, three contested marks, three kicks, three goals in the first 20 minutes of football. He finished with six disposals, four marks, and three goals. So after he had that great start, he didn't really do a hell of a lot. He did take a really telling mark in the last quarter. But uh, they switched Jeremy, Jeremy McGovern onto him after Tom Barris looked all at sea for a little while there. And he was only on him for a little while there, just enough to steady the ship and let Tom Barris kind of work his way back into the game. And they switched back. And all of a sudden, Barris had control of the game against him. I'm like... Wow, it's just amazing how a little bit of a switch-up can, can change the momentum. There were some absolute classic matchups in this game. Liam Ryan and Braden Maynard. Maynard. Flying Ryan versus Maynard. Yeah, it was a ripper. I think I showed you bits of it where uh, in 2018 Grand Final, Ryan cleaned him up a beauty. So Maynard jumped for a ball and had his hands above his head, and Ryan just dipped the shoulder right into his ribs and flattened him. And it happened again. And this time it happened in the goal square. Not as It wasn't as sweet a hit. But I'm thinking, wow, Ryan's really got it in for Maynard. He's flattened him again. Uh, you've got to give the points in this one to, to Ryan. I think he was absolutely spectacular. If people were questioning his addition to the All-Australian team a couple of weeks ago, this performance kind of solidifies it in their mind. They began like, well, yeah, I, was, I wasn't on the boat with him. I wasn't on the bandwagon. I definitely am now. He was taking marks. He took that mark and actually held the ball out to him and was like, see, I got it, I got it. What Maynard should have said after the game was like, you can keep that ball. We'll have a new one next week when we still play. <gasps> Ouch. Ow. Sorry, I pinched it off someone's meme. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, I didn't think of it myself. I don't oh. really think of much myself. Well, but I like that you admit it. You've got to have a lot of respect for Braden Maynard, even though he looks like Scott Pendlebury's. Oh, kind of. Lower-grade cousin. That's right. He sure does. He's taken the big jobs all year. He's played on guys like Toby Green, and he just continually fronts up. Really unlucky not to be named All-Australian himself. What was really interesting during the commentary, they were talking about how we never see any good one-on-one contests anymore, and they were referring to actually seeing Maynard and Liam Ryan go head-to-head. And just, just, you know, a little bit further down the ground a little bit, you had Darcy Moore... And Jack Darling playing on each other for the whole game as well. So two of the big forwards and defenders playing directly opposed to each other for the whole game. And it somehow slipped under the seven commentary team's guard. (laughs) I can't believe it. That they had another fantastic matchup right under their noses. And they're like, oh, well, you don't really get these matchups anymore in the game. Was Dermot there? Yeah, I know Dermot wasn't commentating because he's part of Fox. So he was was there for seven. Oh, look, some knob. I don't know. <laughs> I try not to pay attention really anymore. It's getting a little bit frustrating. So you, you had more. This was actually really, really, really close contest. I think Moore had 12 spoils for the game. But Darling did kick a couple of goals and was actually instrumental in bringing the Eagles back. Jeez, if I'm looking at it now, you, you give the points to Darling just. Because I do think it's much harder to manufacture opportunities at goal than it is to stop them. So Moore didn't really have his colours lowered here. He was fantastic. But Darling just seemed to be... He could have been the difference in this game, considering that 
Josh Kennedy was missing his shots at goal, too. I think he kicked three goals, four. Uh, he had his kicking boots on, I suppose. Maybe the Eagles win. Who knows? But it's pretty harsh to pin it on one bloke. Speaking of pinning it on one bloke, <laughs> we wrote an article. When I say we, I mean me. Yeah, I didn't do anything. Yeah, I think you looked at it. You might have seen the photo. Um, <laughs> story about Unlikely. Tim. Story about Tim Kelly, and how this could have been his time to really stand up and make a difference in the Eagles side. He hasn't been the same player he was at Geelong, but I've kind of always thought he didn't really have to be the same player he was at Geelong because the West Coast midfield runs deeper than Geelong's did. So at Geelong, he had him and Dangerfield basically shouldered the majority of the load. At West Coast, he's had Elliot Yo, Luke Shuey, Jack Redden, Andrew Gaff. They got a really even spread. However, injuries over the past month or so have meant that Kelly's had to step up. Coming into this final, I thought, wow, this is actually his time to shine. And Nathan Buckley... Look, I know you've you've signed up as a member on the Mongrel. I, I see your name floating around there, buddy. You threw <laughs> Levi Greenwood. You don't know what pseudonym he uses. <laughs> Levi Greenwood went to Tim Kelly with the express job of stopping his influence. And he held Kelly to 12 touches and made him, well, not the worst player on the ground by any stretch, but really impacted his ability to influence the contest. Now, that left Luke Shuey to shoulder the load for West Coast. He's coming back off dual hamstring injuries. And in the last quarter, he had one touch. So he was obviously struggling for fitness. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't get his team over the line. And historically, he's been a fantastic fourth quarter performer. Just didn't have the tank. So Levi Greenwood, he's probably the only player of the six teams remaining that plays a stopping role. And I'm looking at Collingwood going, wow, if he can play well next week against Geelong and maybe put the brakes on Dangerfield or someone like Sam Menegola, who the commentators continue to add an extra N to his name. I do that. Menengola. Menengola. It's Menengola. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually not him at all. It's Menegola. Well, we've been on the Menegola bandwagon all year. And when he failed to make the All-Australian team, that was a fucking crime. Seriously. That was terrible. Those guys should be shot. In, in the leg or something, you know, just something to maim them, not, oh my not kill God. them. Uh, bloke named Brody Majacek, who's out of contract at the end of this season, and from all reports could be forced to look elsewhere for a deal because he came in and was he wasn't a highly reputable player. He wasn't a, a superstar. Really hard work. If if guys like Jordan Dugowie are, you know, ice cream and strawberries. Meyer checks meat and potatoes. That's the way he plays, right? He runs the ball, he marks the ball, he kicks the ball. That's all he does. He doesn't do the fancy stuff. He doesn't take big marks. He doesn't spin around in circles like, you know, Homer Simpson on the floor. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He just does the fundamentals really, really well. He kicked two goals in the last quarter. When Collingwood needed a presence in the back line, they threw him down there to, to stop, the, stop the West Coast attack, and he did everything they required of him. Now, he's coming out of contract. I'm like, wow, he just really bumped up his value, whether it's at Collingwood or anywhere else. While Mason Cox was huge in the first quarter, Brody Majacek got them over the line in the last quarter. He was massive. And I'm looking at 
Collingwood going, you've got a real dile- dilemma here. You've got Darcy Moore out of contract. You've got Jordan Dugowie out of contract. And here's Brody Majacek, who might get squeezed out. And he's just played the biggest quarter of any player on your team for the year and dragged you over the line against the team that was supposed to beat you. And I'm like, part of me hopes he stays at Collingwood because he fits their team so, so well. And the other part of me thinks, I hope he gets a really good deal elsewhere because he's that workman-like kind of player that you can rely on to produce X amount of marks, X amount of kicks, and a goal a game every week. So it'll be really interesting to see how Collingwood handles this. Uh, we asked in our review whether this was the one of the best wins in Collingwood's history, recent history at least. Obviously, we weren't around when they were winning flags in the 30s and stuff. I missed out on it by about four years. <sighs> Poor old me. But in recent history, I suppose you've got the 2018 prelim against Richmond, which was huge. And someone mentioned there was a game in 2002 finals as well, which was probably as good against Port Adelaide, I think it was. But this this win would have to be right up there and just an absolute ripping performance by the Pies. Jumping forward, Mrs. Mungrel. Mm. Richmond and the Saints. You have you have, you have a question. I see in the notes here that you actually have a question about this game. Yeah. I mean, will Richmond feel a bit stressed out by how good-looking St Kilda is? Because, I mean, you've got Cochin and his hair and, you know, Dusty likes to decorate himself, but... There's just no getting around it. St Kilda is the more handsome team. I'm I'm done. That's it. Now, you see, when I read this, yeah. I read it incorrectly. <laughs> I thought you were saying, will Richmond feel stressed out about how good St Kilda is looking? Not, <laughs> not about how good looking St Kilda is. Oh, God, why would I care about that? Yeah, look, with the benefit of hindsight, I can see exactly why. I would read it that way, but I can see exactly why you would ask it. So, Well, asking the actual question, do you think Richmond will be a bit stressed by how good St Kilda are looking in terms of their form? How's oh, that? wow, that's much better. I think they, I think everyone expects Richmond to roll over St Kilda. Everyone expects it because not Richmond... Not me have, and not Radley. Nah, you too. You're sticking fat. Had our buddy Johnny... Old Johnny texted us before the, the game. I don't think people learn about writing teams off too early, right? I want to give you a bit of a an insight into Johnny, right? Johnny messaged me before the game. He says, Righto, this is, uh, this is what we need to do this week. This is Richmond. We need to make a statement. We need to come out and win by six goals. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that, right? So this is what they needed to do, Richmond. Immediately after the game, he texts me and says, this is the loss we needed. <laughs> and I'm like, Johnny, make your fucking mind up, buddy. What did you need? To win by six goals? Or did you really actually need to lose? No one needs to lose in the finals. No one. You don't need it. I think Brisbane in one of their three peat years. I, no, I think I know what he's saying. They needed to lose so that they can rally and they can they can come together and just go, look, look. We're older and we're not as handsome. But we can still smash St Kilda. I'm shaking my head here. You know what people don't need to do in the finals? Lose. Lose. That's, that's <laughs> what you don't need to do. Under any circumstances, losing in the finals is bad. And he's an idiot. Right. So, yeah, I, I think writing off St Kilda here is a big mistake. Uh, 
I didn't touch on it before, and it was erroneous of me not to, but the best player on the ground this week was a guy named Paddy Ryder. And he came across from uh, Port Adelaide with Dougal Howard. Uh, he's gelled incredibly well with Rowan Marshall. And in the last 90 seconds of the game, he strained his hamstring. How long does a hamstring take to repair? He won't play next week. <gasps> but the week after, maybe? He's 30s as well. Look, if it's he's a 32. really... You looked it up. I Hang got... on, wait, wait, wait. How old is he? He's 32. Great work. Yeah, I'm the brains and the everything else here at the Mongrel. Well, just, I haven't uh... got much to give, I'm sorry. <laughs> But it was a little bit getting sidetracked here, but it was actually a real, real shame because not only was he the best player on the ground and he dominated the ruck, he really stood up in the last quarter for them and it was his first ever finals win at 32. Can he come back for the actual grand final? Is that enough time for him to recover? Yes. And I say that without knowing the extent of his hamstring injury at all. <laughs> if it's a strain, yes. If it's a tear, no. Well, he'll be all right because he'll come back for the finals. We are in the finals. Like the grand final. You're back in the Saints to win. Everything up until then. Oh, I think you are confused. I'm backing the Saints to win the whole thing. Are you still, are you still gunning for a, for a St Gilda Gold Coast grand final? Until <laughs> <laughs> the day I die. <laughs> yeah, well, that was on the cards for the first three weeks of the season. That's about it. Now, the other game is Geelong and Collingwood. And, uh, yeah, you don't like these two teams at all, do you? Look, they just don't don't tickle my fancy right now. They're not handsome enough? <laughs> hey, Pendlebury was in your top four. He's a good-looking guy. I think your top four is actually more than four. Yeah, you seem very surprised by this. I'm not. Because you said top four, and I reckon we've named five players during this podcast that have made your top four. We, what, who we haven't mentioned is Petrarca. There we go. There's like six in your top four. How has this expanded so quickly? I think you're just throwing people in there that you thought about but you didn't actually include in your initial top four. I feel like you're confused about what I'm like. <laughs> I feel like I'm perpetually confused at the moment. <laughs> anyway, Cats versus Collingwood. Oh, well done. The most um, dull game of the year. The, Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. It should be a good one. Hawkins, got to redeem himself. Has to get better than what he was. 05. Kept missing. Kept missing. Well, you know, you'd hate to be cleaning up after him at the toilet, wouldn't you? He couldn't hit the target. Oh, my God. There'd be piss everywhere. <laughs> be all over the walls and be writing his name. Misspelling it, possibly. Looks like a T-U-W. Oh, Tao Hawkins. Anyway, he's got to get better. you got to look at whether... I don't know whether you'd bring Josh Jenkins in. I thought they should have brought him in this week. They brought him to the club. He's a proven goal kicker. And I feel like Geelong... I don't know whether he just hasn't done the work this year down at Geelong and hasn't done what he's supposed to do, but drastic times call for drastic measures. And... Bringing Josh Jenkins into the side. Pretty drastic measure at this point in the season. That said, I'd still take him over Esava Radigalia any day of the week. Do you know Esava Radigalia? No. Great name. It is a great name. Can't play for shit. Oh, no. What? Yeah. But look, so they talk about Hawkins <laughs> Island a, a lot. They talk about yeah. people getting stuck on Hawkins Island. At the moment, if Hawkins Island has a bit of population on it, they got no one else to kick goals. Their, their small forwards didn't do anything this week, and they looked mm, they looked pretty poor. Do you think Collingwood's going to win? They'd be feeling pretty good about themselves at the moment. They'd be feeling, hey, we're, we're a real shot here. And I think they'd be, they'd be more confident playing Geelong in and of themselves. They'd be internally, they would have looked at this West Coast game going, 
shit, it's a big ask. But playing Geelong, they might be thinking, we're a real shot here. So uh, they didn't get a lot out of Jordan to go. He kicked a couple of goals, but he was by no means dominant. If he turns one on and Pendlebury gets plenty of the ball, all didn't of a sudden... Richmond and Collingwood play in a final recently? Two years ago? Mm. Yeah, that's pretty recent. That is pretty recent. <laughs> great great point. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking, what if they do? What if they get there again and Collingwood lose? How demoralising would that be? I don't... Now, I'd have to go back and look at the table. I think the only way Collingwood can play Richmond's in the grand final. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What if yeah. they get to the grand final and they play each other again? Oh, that'd be a nightmare. Richmond and Collingwood in the grand final. I want to see... Let's put it on record now, right? You want to see St Kilda and... Well, I don't know who else is left. I'll run them down for you. <laughs> Port Adelaide, Richmond. That's all I know. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say... Now I'm going to say I want to see Port versus St Kilda. All right, we're over the Because accord. Port's tried really hard oh. and has done quite well this year. Good job, Port. And um, St Kilda are just better than everybody, so... I want to see the Nobody Believes in Us Cup. <gasps> I want to see Port Adelaide against St Kilda in the grand final, which basically means, I'm sorry, guys, if I want that to happen, neither team's making it. Can you imagine if they did? But I'd love to see that. I reckon that would be an absolute fantastic game. My review would just be more batshit than ever. Oh, yes. Now, we need to uh, plug that, that oh, after... No. I said in the next In the coming couple of weeks, we'll have the Brownlow medal. Now, Mrs. Mungrel would usually have friends over for the Brownlow medal and have a bit of a joint review of yeah, the, the witty and insightful things that each of them point out during the Brownlow medal. You shush. <laughs> You're not uh, part of it. However, there may have to be some sort of phone hookup so they can have this discussion this year. No, we can't do that. Well, you're going to have to fly solo and have your own review. Are they actually doing a Brownlow? They're doing some sort of Brownlow. I'm not sure how it will work. It'll be held in Queensland. And most of the players are up there anyway. Oh, look, I don't know if I have it in me to do that and then the grand final. I think you can swing it. I think you can swing it. As our daughter would say, I believe in you. <laughs> you can do it, Mum. I believe in yeah, you. Yeah, Even right. something like getting out of the chair. She <laughs> believes in us doing that. Anyway, guys, we might leave it there. Uh, again, huge thanks to all our members for jumping on. It actually yeah, thank you. has really appreciate been it. a really good year for us and we're trending in the right direction. We're really hoping to make something of this site and you guys make it possible. So we're really, really grateful. And uh, that's about it for us. Bye. Talk to you next week. <laughs>